Maybe you can help me find the woman behind the cat. No, that's not you. everybody shook me in the mooney episode 57 uh it's, it's what is it friday june 18th mm-hmm. uh new holiday it's yep. juneteenth we talked about it last year too yeah about a year ago today around this time uh during the week you know they passed the legislation now it's a i'm actually uh where i work i think i'm i might be getting paid and I'm i see i see like a picture like it was like some kid like skipping like mod steps and it was mm. just like the steps in between like it was like juneteenth and like five steps in between uh his leg was on like juneteenth and in between was like voters rights reparations um police reform etc cetera, etc cetera. and it was like the u.s just skipped all those steps yeah i mean um also during the week other legislation you know the whole show you like to talk about it a lot the uh uh, you, I keep forgetting the word, but performative, a lot mm-hmm. of performative things symbolism. going on. Symbolism, like gestures. Yeah, that's uh, that was popping up a lot this week. Uh, I mean, but you know, the bottom line is it's it's a holiday. A lot of people are making jokes like, "How long is it going to take for it to you know save your? I mean, uh, free yourself from your old mattress? You know, like Yo, you know, well, like I see, I see know. like a TikTok and it was like Old Navy is going to sell like border shorts for like three-fifths off yeah i mean it's i mean it is interesting because uh honestly probably till like last year or the year before i didn't hear anything about it and i know mm-hmm. that it's based on like see a lot of stuff too is like a lot of the stuff from the south um i guess i'm uh, kind of ignorant to a lot of that because i'm a really like centric new york centric um but yeah now i know what the full story i only just learned that's it's, it's like the 19th you know mm-hmm. so it's like june 19th and of course, it's like, you know, we're celebrating on a Friday because uh, that's what they do with holidays. And that's the point of it all, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of things that we celebrate. We just obligatorily just, celebrate. We don't know the meanings of, you know. It's just messed up because, like, I was saying, you know, a lot of, like, white people in, like, you know, corporate jobs and stuff like that will end up getting the days off. But black people in the service industry, like, they won't like the food and the service industry. Cause when I was working, like, well, always when I worked, Martin Luther King Day, I always used to have to request off or and either not get paid or use like vacation hours for, for that day. Um, yeah, and I, I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I so was I, just t- like, you know, if I, you know, probably when I do go out to work, it's going to be probably the same thing where it's like, yeah, I got a request, 
Mm. Juneteenth off or you get time and a half. I think that's something our, our job did like recently. Mm. To kind I of, get, like, I, counteract yeah. it. it was like time you got time and a half that day if you worked. Yeah, so I think um with me, I'm not there, but I'm getting like half or something like that, like any other holiday. Because there's like five so uh five days they do mm-hmm. as of this year. So I mean, but yeah, we um that's interesting. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, they really it feels like a year ago, but it doesn't. You know, like it, it flew by this year, but it also feels like 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 I'm already getting like people made jokes about feeling nostalgic for like are we gonna feel nostalgic for this time? <laughs> like a year later, I'm like, oh man, I'm watching podcasts from like May 2020, and I'm like, oh these people like how the way they were acting about it, I was like, wow, this feels like it's such a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if we if you listened to our show from a year ago, it would be way different. Yeah, yeah but uh, a lot of other stuff happened this week. Uh, I mean, a lot of things with, we like to talk about pop culture and like superheroes. Uh, something that came up a lot on our show is kind of like shipping, right? Mm-hmm. We've, that. We've actually touched on Captain America and Bucky's relationship in the past. Um, remember, we've, we've talked about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like it, this week, it came up with the new Captain America. Uh, the actor, Anthony Mackie, he played Falcon. Uh, spoiler alert. I don't know. He's. He's going to be in the next next phase as the Captain America, uh, but when talking about the relationship between him and Bucky, uh, he's getting a lot of backlash from what he said about it. We're mm-hmm. going to dive into that. And it kind of coincides with that, and it wasn't like the only, um, you know, talking about like superheroes, intimate lives topic that was brought up this week earlier in this week. It was a certain, um, I think, what it was, like an email that came out from like DC Comics, like one person from DC Comics in relation to, I guess they got like a, a Harley Quinn show that I saw on HBO Max and it's like mm-hmm. more mature. It's like a hard PG-13 or a light R. Mm-hmm. And on the show, it was like discussing like whether like Batman, it's saying like, you know, they were supposed to have a scene with Batman gives Catwoman like oral sex and you know the guy from DC was like nah like you can't have that because like heroes don't do that so you know yeah but like, initial, it... reaction, initial reaction <laughs> was uh, uh Uncle Junior yeah. you know that was yeah that was one of my reactions too Speaking so boxes boxes and Batman <laughs> this was this became a meme and I actually bought this the day of the election in like, 2016 or the day after and um, I, it was like one of those days and, and I woke up and I was like, why do I have this? <laughs> yeah. like, I bought this, but it's funny that like a meme because uh, it's deep dive. It's a, uh, so, yeah, yeah. so Mikey's got like a deep dive Batman, Batman action figure, I guess from like the, what's that, from one of the movies. Yeah, Batman Returns is Keaton. So we're going to talk about that because uh, a few, like one of the Batman from the movies chimed in and it was kind of funny so we'll mm-hmm, talk, yeah. talk about that that's called that's a funnier side of you know but it's both comic books and uh it's just interesting that like, people get really really uh you know they're fans this is part of their like growing up and upbringing and stuff and uh, we're gonna jump into that too mm-hmm. uh i mean we always talk about sports like what just happened in sports this week uh something that happened just just this week in sports uh has to do with a century of uh, a century ago and of history we've talked about it a lot on the show we talked about it especially on the black seats part of sugar me and the mooney uh 
what is it baseball uh baseball reference.com they they integrated the stats from the negro leagues from yeah i think it's like every it's on like all the record books now but like i use baseball reference to look up stats and stuff and i don't know how i came across it but it, it, I, I just thought of it. And I was like, let me look up like Josh Gibson and Satchel Page, and I was kind of disappointed. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's something that happened this week, uh, and I, I was looking at it, and it's very interesting because it has ramifications of ramifications of like all the the stats in history uh, from the past like 100 plus years. So we're gonna talk about that, uh, but more current sports. Uh, NBA playoffs, second round still going strong. Um, you know, we are Nick. I'm wearing the Nick hat right now. We got to talk about the Knicks first and foremost. Uh, Julius Randle, uh, congratulations to him. All NBA first, first All NBA player since uh, on the Knicks since Carmelo Anthony back in 2013 when he won the scoring title. And, you know, it was kind of like loaded that season because you had Kevin Durant, who was the MVP. You had LeBron when he was on the heat and he was, you know, still in his peak years. So even though Melo won the scoring title, the forward position in the All-NBA first team were kind of locked up. So he got, you know, dropped down to the second team. But Julius Randle more than earned his All-NBA standing. And it's interesting because couple years back people said the Knicks just traded um this unicorn for um for two first round picks on cap space and they didn't get any superstars but the person we ended up signing with that cap space he's actually an all NBA player before all NBA and he played an all-star game before uh Christophs Porzingis did and Mike did you realize that there was a trade asset that we traded to Dallas that apparently wasn't reported until this week. Where's it, bad karma? <laughs> it's, the... <laughs> it's, it's franchise dysfunction. Yeah. Um, so, so it started off this week, like the athletic kind of like, you know, you know how it goes. When the team's season ends, like, you know, stuff gets put out there. So it kind of like, uh, detailed the the kind of dysfunction that was going on in the organization. Um, and a couple weeks ago, Cuban said, like, he didn't want to um, change coaches just to change coaches. And I found it ironic because Avery Johnson, the coach before um, Rick Carla, had, like, some successful seasons um, with the Mavericks. And they, they kind of disappointed in the playoffs. You know, they lost – uh, the 2006 finals after leading to nothing. And then they set like a franchise record and they became one of the few teams to lose, um, mm. to win the one seed and lose to an eight seed when they lost to the Warriors. Yeah, that was big. Yeah. And then the, the season after that, I think they lost in the first or the second round and they fired him, but all three seasons, I think he won 60 games. Um, if you, if you look at his record with the Mavericks, it's like he won 73% of his games. And I wasn't saying, like, he shouldn't have got fired. I was just saying, like, okay, like, you trade, you change coaches to change coaches. So I was like, you got to take it with a grain of salt because either you're saying you learn from that experience 
or you're giving Carlisle the benefit of the doubt because he won you a championship 10 years ago now. Um, but it actually came out yesterday, like him and Rick Carlisle have, have been beating and the Mavericks didn't even put out an official statement. Carlisle put out like a, a notes, you know, the, mm. the note, like yeah. a notes app detailing that he wasn't going to return as the Mavs coach um, next season. So, and then it, apparently there's like a team official who's kind of like, from what I'm hearing, I don't know what the intricacy is, but he's like kind of like a degenerate, formerly like a degenerate like gambler. And he's kind of like just buddies with like Cuban. So he has issues with Luka Doncic and Luka Doncic was actually um really close with Donnie Nelson, who's been their GM forever, um, son of Don Nelson, who was formerly the coach of the Mavericks. And Donnie Nelson actually, um, they mutually parted ways yesterday, too. And it's been coming out that Doncic is essentially, like, not happy with the situation. So, and Christoph Spazingas has been reportedly unhappy with being like second fiddle to Luka Doncic. So it's like a lot of the shit that goes on with the Knicks is, you know, is, is going on with the Mavericks, but it ain't even just them because there's been all this stuff with different teams. Like it was a day, I think like two days ago, it, like it was back to back to back to back, like NBA alerts for like coaches, you know, getting fired and, uh, the, the Mavs also just – did you notice today that uh, Dirk – Dirk, like Boogie Nights. Dirk mm-hmm. is going to be like the figurehead now in, in uh, Dallas. Mm-hmm. He's going to be – he's like, you know, hey, get the fans. Like, hey, remember this guy? Remember this big, big, this big guy, Dirk? Yeah, he's yeah, back. So it, he's gonna be... it seems like window dressing, especially with all exactly. this coming yeah. out. Like if he was mm-hmm. if he was doing that before, like all this stuff happened, it'd be like, oh, all right, that's a nice thing. But that's the type of thing like the Knicks would do. Like, yeah. They would have all yeah. this dysfunction going on, and it'd be like, "Oh, like Larry Johnson's doing like a meet and greet in front uh, of it, like MSG." I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was going to say that Mark Cuban is has a you know Dallas is a big city, but he kind of has the protection of it not being like where he's doing everything that the Knicks would do or, or a guy from New York would be doing because Mark Cuban's like one of the big you know the uh, the money and everything, and he people want to play for the Mavs because remember even like 20 years ago. All, they got all these free agents because, like, their plane had, like, Xboxes and their yeah, private yeah. jets. That was, like, a big deal. It was a comfort, you know, a lot of uh, leisure, luxury items and stuff. And he attracted, like, a lot of talent to go down there. Yeah. Uh, but he kind of got away with a lot of the just, like, a lot of the craziness, like him getting on the court. Imagine if, like, a guy who gets kicked out – he got kicked out all the time. That was, like, his like, – Yeah, because he used to get into yeah. it with the refs. Like, and he was the first – like, the Mavs were, like, the first team to do the – um the championship belt when you win the, the title. Because mm. he was like, oh, we're not going to do rings. They ended up doing rings anyways. But he was like, we're, we're going to do something different. And then they did the, the championship. This was back when they had the spinner belt. Mm. And um, they they were the first one to do the start. You know, WWE would send them championship belts. Yeah. Uh, another, uh, maybe it was a bad omen, but... Uh... Speaking of WWE, Triple H showed up to uh, the Sixers game last week, right? <laughs> so, uh, what is that about? I guess he's a Philly fan. I don't know. No, nah, because um, 
Oh, the process, the NXT. No, 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 not even that. Um, oh. Embiid, like he mm-hmm. dunked and fell on the floor, and he was doing like a crotch chop, mm-hmm. but it didn't even look like a DX. Like everybody put the DX thing on it, but it was mm-hmm. like it looked like he was just humping air. It wasn't like a you know, yeah, it. Yeah. you know, it wasn't one of those. More so, like a Bobby Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the reason, and then they came out with the DX stuff, and then Triple H hit the. I guess they ring a bell, the the Liberty Bell, before the the games, and he used a sledgehammer because you know that's Triple H's thing. But, um, but we'll talk about Triple H in a little bit. But let's mm. stay on sports. So as Mike detailed, you know, switching to baseball. Um, a couple of months ago, we did discuss the fact that. They the Negro leagues, the various Negro leagues that were in operation before, actually after, because um, the Negro leagues did survive for a few years and then whittled out mm. um, after the integration. But all the numbers pre Jackie Robinson and Larry Doby were going to be recognized as major league numbers. So we assume this would like boost a lot of like the. Negro League greats that we've heard about their stats, like, you know, Satchel Page, Josh Gibson, um, Cool Papa Bell. Um, cool Papa Bell actually benefited a little bit because more than others, because he was so synonymous with, um, he was so synonymous with stealing bases and there were myths about him being so fast that in a hotel room, he would turn off the lights he would, you know, turn off, turn off the light switch and be in bed and under the covers before the light turned off. Like, that's how quick he, quick he was. So he ended up getting a bunch of uh, added stolen bases. But, Mike, when I, like, looked at the numbers, I was kind of disappointed because, um, as I was telling you yesterday before we discussed it, you know, it was like a for for the the, the um the Elias Sports Sports Borough, I think that's who was um looking up the numbers and trying to find like the records and stuff like that. You know, it was an arduous task because as I detailed in the Black Seed series, um a lot of the the it you know the Negro leagues didn't have the na- national media following that the major leagues had. So they would only really be followed by black newspapers and they were only like a handful, you know, spread across the country. And not only that, but you had, but maybe like one writer covering like an entire game. And this is, you know, the Negro leagues was, were half like organized and half like barnstorm storming. So they tend, they tended to play a lot of double headers. So if there wasn't a writer, there for like the first game but was there for the second game the second game would be the only one recorded or if he was there for the first game but couldn't stay for the second game like only the first game would have got recorded so all in all like when you look at the the stats that were added um satchel page who played about five official seasons in the major leagues and then had like one appearance uh in at 58 years old 
it only brought his total wins up to 118 his his record to 118 wins and 80 losses and only 14 about 1400 a little bit more than 1400 strikeouts and that's because if you look at his stats in games played and games started like there's only like 20 games here 10 games five games like it's all over the place and then Josh Gibson who legend had it was legend had it had hit over 800 home runs when you look at his stats the most games he played in a season he never played he never got the chance to play in the major leagues he died before he could 47 right mm-hmm. uh his last year was 1946 the most games that were recorded was the first season that they have recorded first full season they have recorded 1933 they have 68 games played that's the most games they have actually they have 69 in 1943 so his home run to his home run total was only 165 home runs yeah, you bring this up you brought up human error pretty much like with like let's say like the, uh, the reporter couldn't make it mm-hmm. so it's not recorded you have one source that's you know that's like the numbers don't speak for itself they don't have like the whole context of like the story behind uh you mentioned the barnstorming but you brought up satchel page we t- i think we might have talked about it but satchel page uh like he would do exhibitions too in between his other starts mm-hmm. like he, he, would, he played he, in um the dominican republic he played for through heel uh, who Joel used to talk about, um, the dictator in the Dominican Republic. He played for his, like, national team where they were, like, under armed security. Like, they couldn't leave unless they played. And they, if they lost, they faced the possibility of being executed. Mm-hmm. Um, he also played in Cuba and, like, Puerto Rico, all over the Caribbean, uh, Mexico, stuff like that. All, all those things weren't, like, recorded. Yeah, it's crazy. So, like... Um... Also, you got to think about how, um, let's say, we have like the war years, the war, like the 40s. Uh, not a lot of reporters were actively, not even doing the major league, not even doing MLB. Uh, so that's why you didn't have a lot of 40s numbers. Mm-hmm. 20s, you had a lot of numbers because I guess it was good times. You know, that was a good time, affluent time. Uh, 30s, depression. So t- uh, a lot of the stats were kind of missing too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to remember that. Um, a lot of teams they utilize like same stadiums and especially like the Negro leagues they had they were uh dependent on using other people's facilities so you had to like work around them so yeah. that's why like you would have like 60 games a year but they did make sure they want it was always structured though where it was like all right the season begins and ends it just depended on when they got the games in mm-hmm. but it wasn't just like uh that's why it's it, it was what they got is good i'm glad you know they're glad that they have what they have but it was really hard uh to get all the numbers accurate it's pretty much like going back to like the gothams or like the the new york giants like in the like 1800s getting that information it was hard in like the 60s because remember like in the 60s is when they they integrated a lot of the other leagues into mlb right we talked about that like the federal league and all that like they, yeah. they but they they neglected to bring in the negro leagues until now yeah which but, is but- a, and a, the difference high. between those other um, major leagues, the Federal League, the American Association, et cetera, et cetera, they had the benefit of the white national media mm. um, 
you know, following them. So yeah, it's it, it, yeah, but you know, like I said, it's it's like underwhelming, but that in of itself just shows like the it, it kind of like adds a little bit more fire to how racist, you know, and um disproportionate it was because we don't know how great these players would have actually been if you would have gave them well, it was what 154 games at the time. So if they would have had, you're talking about them playing like double and the yeah. amount of games plus like 20 more games. Like who knows? Like, it's the at bats. It's the at bats is what we you have to focus on. It's not the games. It's the amount of at bats they had because they had less at bats than everyone else. Yeah. Um. Do the math. Like. But anyway, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think about it because um, till till you just brought it up. He had 18 home runs. He had 18 home runs and 74 RBIs in RBI in, ni- in 1933. That's 68 games. So, and he had, <laughs> okay, so look at this one. He had in 1937, he played 39 games. This is what they have on record. In, I have it, yeah. In the Negro National League, he played 39 games and he hit 20 home runs and had 73 RBI in 39 games. So and also that, but that 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 year, uh, I saw that it, that overtook Barry Bonds in 2001, mm-hmm. 974 slugging percentage in 37. Yeah, he had so a that, nine. Look at that 974 74. slugging percentage. So that so now that overtook Barry Bonds is 2001 863 and and Babe Ruth is. 847 is third now, 1920. So and, and just for the the people who aren't familiar with slugging percentage, slugging percentage accounts for four bases if you hit a home run, three for a triple, two for a um for a double, and one for a single. So most like a a, a 500 slugging percentage, a, a, a 500 slugging percentage is about is is above average in the major leagues because that means you average half a base um per at bat so if you got 974 that's almost like a thousand which is about like a one base for every at bat that means he was getting on like one base for each at bat that's an extraordinary number and i'm just i'm trying to um why you do that? So, so think about. Let's go back to talk about the, the number of at bats. That's you know. Let's pretend that like they played like six innings a game or something like that. Something like that. If you want to calculate it like that, I don't, is that how you would do it? No, he he had like just, it's less games, but probably the same amount of bats. But when you take into perspective, yeah, yeah, yeah. he had. I mean, how how would I, how would I like do that in my like how would I visualize that? So that he had made, twenty. He had twenty home runs in thirty games, and it was. 20 home runs over 183 at bats. So I calculated that, and that's a home run um, every 9.15 at bats. So you figure each game, like a batter gets three to four at bats. So that means, yeah, like a home run, like every, every like once every three games, mm. assuming he only got three at bats. Mm. And yeah. Another thing, why you do that? Think about this: uh, when the the league, then the MLB got integrated um, after 27 years of like National Negro Leagues, 
um, they died out in a year. So if you think about that, why would they die out in a year? It's because all the best talent that was mm-hmm. available went into the MLB. Yeah. So that shows you that the talent was way up there and that no one wanted to see, like, it's like pretty much like, let's say like NBA was segregated and then all you had was like the street street team, street ballers, like in like the Rucker Park. And people mm-hmm. would, would rather you go to the NBA because you can see the guys that you used to see in the park. Now you see them in the stage. Right. That's how like, that's why it died out. And that shows you that the uh, the idea that they were, and that's another thing that's important to think. Oh, now, oh, now the numbers are good enough. No, no, no. now it's like we're acknowledging that we didn't, we didn't, we didn't acknowledge them. And it's then you like, al- oh, you know. And then you also gotta factor in like you know how they say like, uh, nineteen ninety eight with the you know obviously steroids and stuff like that, but you know the the home run numbers between like nineteen ninety eight and. 2001 or 2002 like MLB expanded twice 1993 and 1998 so Mm -hmm. there were a lot of talent that were most likely going to be in like double a and triple a or probably Mm -hmm. not even make it into the majors that were in the majors so you go back into those times you got to remember that like uh, they, there was a gentleman's agreement not to allow black people to play. So therefore teams would rather have like the worst white player over the best black player. So that kind of would make even like the guys who were in the major leagues, like their numbers look kind of, you got to look at their numbers kind of like, wait, hold on. Like, are they really like that good? But it, like, again, it just shows you like the stupidity of racism and, you know, when you look back on it, it's like it, it, it wasn't like fair at all. And I think even though I'm disappointed in numbers, it, it further highlights um, how much of a tragedy it was that, you know, black players weren't allowed to play in the major leagues. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff happened ironically later on, like in the 20th century is when they were like, all right, let's separate. Sometimes there were some leagues that were like kind of all over the place. It wasn't it wasn't really like. Um, but you had other leagues that had like integrated sort of right. You had like Native Americans and like Latinos playing and stuff. It's like, it's yeah, like in the in the in the major leagues, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it's weird. You think that like a progressively as the years went on, but there was times when things got more and more uh, conservative, whatever, like separated and conservative in their mind. We, we think definitely sort of, uh, but they thought that was like what's best, you know, just separate but equal, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the thing with baseball. I mean, uh, and it's also important. Like, you can always say, like, people always bring up other other nations, too, like, you know, Japanese records and stuff. But, like, the whole point of this is that what, yes. what is baseball? So the pastime. Yeah, but, like, American baseball is, is like, our pastime. So that's why it's, like, symbolically this is important, you know, just because it's, like, supposed to be our sport. Sadahito O, he hit, like, if I'm getting his name right, I'm not. I, I've been Sorry, leaving glasses. Sorry, Ari O or something like that. I don't know yeah, and he had like 800 home runs in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the as we and as we we've seen Shoyo Otani, Masahiro Tanaka, mm-hmm. Hideki Matsui, um, Ichiro. Like these these dudes could play. So it, it's interesting. Yeah, I, he was the uh, Japanese the Japanese Babe Ruth, and then. Uh, you know, we just literally talked about ironically. They, but the thing about uh, them is they, the they, they have like a media following where it was just like 
Do I feel like going to this Pittsburgh Crawfords game? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I know it's like yeah. Like I got, a, a these... I got a dentist appointment today. I can't cover the game. You know, it's just... and with the players too. Think about this: what team? There's the DC team played in Pittsburgh too. So mm-hmm. you kidding me? Just picture, picture like Major League the movie when like they take that shitty plane. These yeah. guys are taking a shitty bus or getting their own way. Hey, find your way there. Find yeah. your way to Pittsburgh, boy. Get there and get your money. And then they had to come back and go back and forth and back and forth. Crazy, man. Yeah. All right. So, you know, uh, when we're not doing the show, I'm working or I'm sleeping or I'm editing videos. So I'm editing videos, a lot of the uh, WWE biographies. And um, I was watching the show Michael's one. And Shug, you mentioned how when you were a kid, when you got into wrestling, one of the things that helped you like learn about like the behind the scenes was uh, like a book, a book about like um, – like the real names of that included the real names of wrestlers. And that was like a month ago. And then like two weeks ago, I bought like a stack of old uh, wrestling magazines. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I just, it was so silly looking. I had to buy it. And I'm like, you know what? What year is this? 99. I'm like, Hmm, I wonder. And I thought about it. I go, I wonder if this is like this is one of the same books that I used to see too. And then this morning I'm getting ready to do my Instagramming and I'm taking pictures of it. And then I see on the page in the book, it has, it has real names. And of course, it legitimately is the same exact book that Shug was talking about. If you listen to our show, the Show Michaels episode, Mark Kalawa. I, I, I'm still like blown. Like that specific detail book. is like. <laughs> and like every other, everything else comes, everything, I, every other name is legit pretty I, much. And that goes to show you like it was like the editor put it out like that because. It wasn't something that was like um unique to the one that yeah. I got. <laughs> right. So like um like Mark Kalawa. I was like, is he like I was like, it must be Native American. <laughs> but I which I think he is, isn't he? Probably I mean te- I don't know, man. Texas, who knows? Uh, I'm gonna tr- I should get this signed by everyone, man. And this could be uh, up for our five year anniversary of Sugar the Mooney. We'll give it a Doesn't away. it say it's like unauthorized or something like that? Yeah, this book was not authorized or sponsored by the WF WCW. Uh, mm-hmm. It is funny though. That, that goes to show you how old it is because I, I'm, I believe it was like fourth or fifth grade. And it was in one of those, um, you know, the scholastic book fair, um, yeah. the little like catalog that you could order from and i was yeah. like, you know i was really into wrestling back then so it, 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 it was a must-have i was in fifth probably and you were probably like in fourth so mm-hmm. it's 99 but yeah i mean that's funny also this morning when i woke up a lot of wrestling was trending kurt Ang- kurt angle so you go oh man you gotta look anytime a wrestler is trending you gotta double check so uh it was for a fun reason sort of uh, Kurt Angle was trending and the rock bottom was trending. It's because, <laughs> yeah, that was all right. Uh, and it, this one, uh, this video, uh, is not unique to one like niche or one area of Twitter. Like it was like a, a crossover hit and it was much like bagel guy. Like, like my worst fear is what becoming like a guy on the cover of the New York post with a nickname, like having bagel. Like, I can just say bagel guy and you know who I'm talking about, but this was a video that popped up. It was like people fighting in like the work parking lot. And someone was like, oh, man, he's doing the three amigos almost like the three, the uh, Kurt Angle, uh, three Germans release mm-hmm. suplexes and stuff. And like, <laughs> no, I, well, like the backstory apparently is like this girl that works at whatever, whatever warehouse that is. I guess like the guy 
that she works with, they got into like an argument and she was like, yeah, well, all right, well, I'm gonna get my boyfriend to come down here and whoop your ass. So they met in the parking lot, they threw down and somebody was like, I bet it, it was, he was like, I bet bro didn't think when he woke up today that yeah. Woke up today at like 10 o'clock to go and his girl told him to come down to his job and fight this dude that by lunchtime he would be in Suplex City. That's unbelievable. The things you do for love, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but seriously, like uh that that was funny. I mean, you know, it's a nice little end of the week um you know, little little tee hee thing. Uh but another thing was trending, uh it was it was China, Joni Lawler. We said we weren't really going to talk about any more documentaries because they, they were all done. Dark Side is on their hiatus, and the WWE Legends biography ended. But I didn't realize that Vice um, acquired the rights to a documentary about China. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I learned about it a couple days ago, and I, and I watched it. We both watched it, right, Chuck? Um, yep, yes, indeed. And it, and it was interesting because it's Vice, and um, it's kind of like Vice is doing this thing where in like the is spiritually connected to dark side because it's about wrestling, but it's not. So, you know, we don't know how many more different types of shows docus they're going to have because, uh, you know, dark side's on a hi- hiatus until September. So who knows, maybe they'll have more, but for this one, I was uh, surprised. Um, a lot of stuff I didn't know about, uh, I learned and a lot of footage I never saw. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they broke it down where, uh, cause it, as if you don't know, China, she died. Uh, she passed away the same week as Prince, so it was like April 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, so already five years. Um, but yeah, so like the way they broke down the docu was interesting. It was um, her, her lead up into becoming very popular and on the main stage of WWF in the late 90s. But then at that uh, parallel paralleled with her in 2015, which was interesting. What did you think about that way they broke it down? I think like the whole, I guess like the concept was her, like she had been living in Japan for a while and it was about her, it was supposed to follow her as she kind of, um, you know, her, I want I don't like, I feel, I don't want to say redemption because she didn't have anything to be redeemed for, but kind of like reconstructing her life, um, after it had been like broken, you know, public image like her public image yeah so to speak and you know like you said Mike where she kind of like disappeared into the thing like I think the overarching storyline of it was that WWE essentially like buried her and made it seem like she didn't even like exist like I remember I kind of it was like a couple of um WrestleManias, I mean not WrestleManias, Royal Rumbles ago, where Nia Jax entered, mm. and they made like a big deal out of it, and I'm sitting there watching, and I'm like, China did this shit already, and she did it like way better. <laughs> and, and one of the best ones ever in 99, Royal Rumble 99. Was that was my first. I popped my, uh, my cherry. <laughs> and it's great. We, yeah, you actually go back. We actually talked about it on our YouTube with Edge. It was Edge's first one, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great because China is like, oh yeah, we're all clapping for her. If you like, and you know, like, she knocked out Mark Henry and she knocked out all these guys. And then Stone Cold comes out and he like makes a point of like throwing her out first because it's so like not PC. If Stone Cold like does this, th- throws her out, and everyone like yeah. claps because like, you know, it's just funny. Um, but yeah, that was huge. People forget how freaking figuratively huge China was. Um, uh, well, you know what? Vince, Ru- Vince Russo said something, I think he said good. it to her 
where he was like, there's only one China. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. And I was just like, he's right. Like, there's yeah. people comparable to Hulk Hogan. There are people comparable to The Rock. There are people comparable to Stone Cold, John Cena, um, Dusty Rose, Ric Flair, everybody. There's people comparable. Those people are comparable to each other. But there's nobody that compared to China. There was only one woman that had the type of impact on wrestling where it's just like, oh, she got some, she, she's easy on the eyes. And, um, you know, there's nothing much else to her. Like, obviously, there's a lot of women who are excellent um, professional wrestlers and Hall of Fame worthy in the Hall of Fame, if not on that trajectory. But China is the one that literally broke the fucking mold. And I always thought, like, the most disingenuous thing is the fact that she um, isn't in the WWE Hall of Fame. Technically, she is because mm-hmm. she, you know, they, they brought her in with DX. And, you know, yeah. what's, the, what's the thing I always say? I like I would enjoy for people to get their flowers while they're here. Right. You know, it's it's it sucks. It's great to see, like, Macho Man in the Hall of Fame. But the fact that he wasn't here to be, you know, to celebrate with all the mm. pomp and circumstance, pun mm-hmm. intended. Yes. Um, it, it, it's sad, man, because she broke the mold. And we all know why um, she wasn't ingratiated into the Hall of Fame. And I know you were watching it way back when when they did the, the um, Stone Cold with Triple H, where he's like, yeah. well, if you Google her, da, 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 da. and I'm just like, all right, well, if you do Google Sean Waltman, you he's see some things. Order. If yeah. you Google Jimmy Snooker, you see some things. If you Murderer. Google a bajillion other people that are in the Hall of Fame, like, mm. you see a lot of things. So Trump. Yeah. Donald Trump. Uh, but yeah, so like... That I mean, was... like, just to clarify, some of these are like before and after China, but it was mm. at the time, like especially coming from him and i'm sure mike's gonna get into it it's it seemed really really bad it's um, lame it's a lame excuse because you tried to put like the porn thing and it's just like all right well you know what like that's part of her story but mm-hmm. that's the you know if china had her druthers i'm pretty sure it wouldn't have resorted to her doing you know one well one night in china was a sex tape and i kind of like was a springboard for her to do more porn but you know actually having like an active porn career where she's like playing she hulk Mm. and um having like a wwe triple x parody and stuff like that like if she had her druthers she would have been you know prominently in wwe popping up as a legend and and being celebrated and stuff like that. And she did end up being on TNA, but what I've always said, TNA to me never really been on the same level. And once WCW was bought out, it was basically WWE. And I think, I forgot who it was in the, I think it was Vince Russo, but it might've been somebody else where they were like, Vince McMahon is wrestling. I'm not sure if he said that, but yeah, probably. Uh, Vince Russell had a lot of good points in this. And mm-hmm. it, in, in 2015 on his podcast, I watched it back then. He had her on um, like a, like an hour and a half interview. Um, another another case of someone who was around still. Like we talked about New Jack a month ago. 
he was doing Vlad interview. He did Dark Side. And then, like, within a year, he was gone. China was doing podcasts. She was talking actively. Like, she literally showed up at the doorstep of WWE with her manager. Well, I want to get into the manager that, after. That actually, I can't remember if it was Bro Bible or Deadspin. I think the manager, he, like, reached out and he told that same story of them going to Stanford, mm-hmm. which I'm actually going to be going to tomorrow. I was supposed to go to today and yesterday. But Stanford, you know, the WWE building up the road, um, they actually showed up and it was an uh, uncomfortable experience and nobody wanted to talk to them. Yeah. Uh, but just in general, now, let me go back to just, you know, I'm going to hype her up. Um, tra- transformation. All right. So, like, leading up to uh, her getting into the business, she transformed her body, you know? Mm-hmm. She to like something very unique, like a fitness, um, like a bodybuilder. And then when she got to that level, she transformed herself into this, you know, character, China, who, which has seemed to be completely opposite of her actual personality. You know, she was a very like vulnerable and like sweet and very like feminine and stuff, uh, feminine. Uh, but then at the same time, they literally were trying to transform her again with plastic surgery. And it reminds me of like Michael Jackson, like talking about, oh no, I only got my nose, and like because she said like she got in like her overbite, like. But actually, stuff. I actually kind of did believe her when she said that, but I do believe she did get breast implants. Oh, of to, course. To yeah. make and slim down to make herself look more feminine, but if you do look at her jaw, it did look like she had like a like a underbite. She did definitely. Yeah, no, I do, I do agree. Transformation within like a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they they use a lot of Howard Stern clips. Um, Howard Stern is like the the most direct forward interviewer so that's where they use exposition of like trying to say oh people thought she was masculine and stuff they use clips of that triple h was there stephanie was there so like they use that which was cool to see the e-show because we always like to talk about you know howard whenever we can because we grew up on it yeah yeah that was my show (laughs) uh so that was interesting it was said i remember watching it live when like uh 2003 when she came back and she was straight up like loaded uh, or whatever. You know, she was like intoxicated on the show. Uh, that's always sad. Watching people like, you know, put on put on display willingly, you could say. But I I have a I have the, I have to talk about the manager. OK, his name, Anthony um, something. Yeah, was not a fan. <laughs> so he basically straight up was reminded me of like a carnival barker. Like he saw his next project mm-hmm. and um you know, then they showed everything. She did everything. She did the wrestling. She did the B movies, pornography. Um, the what do you call it? The surreal life. Yeah, the I do remember that. Rehab. That was yeah. actually when she left. Well, she got fired from WWE. That was like the first time I'd seen her. Well, in between, I think the the Sean Waltman mm-hmm. video, the One Night in China, came out, and I was like, the I was like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not because of China, but because like I was like China and Xbox. I'm not trying to see them have sex. Oh, I might have seen like JPEGs of it. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, research purposes. Um, no, but um, I didn't realize that she went to Japan. Uh, I posted on my Instagram. But she went to Japan for about a year, or you know, the year after uh, she left WWE. That was interesting. I didn't because you got to remember Japan is a big deal in this documentary because she went there later on um 
and when she couldn't Hollywood didn't accept her but pro wrestling was you know not a, not an option um so she started teaching in Japan and basically the whole idea of this documentary was salvaged footage of this failed documentary because it failed because while they were filming it she passed away um yeah. but like it, this did highlight like the freaking uh cretins that she was dealing with at the end which was sad like she was surrounded by these people the only good thing is uh she had a lot of strange relationships which was sad yeah like the only Her sister, one the only well before you move on to the family like the only yeah. guy I, I think in her group that kind of had like a real like care for her i can't remember his name but uh the guy with like the beard yeah, yeah. that she used to uh, do yoga on the beach with like he eric, seemed like he eric. Had, like yeah eric he had like a he seemed like he had a genuine like concern and care for her like the director eric, um no, 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 no. Eric was the director who was also like a drug addict. That, oh, that guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, he, I forgot yeah. the guy's name. I'm so sorry. But he, he deserved a lot of credit because he seemed like he was the only person in her life at that time that yeah. was, you know, all right, I care about this person. Like, I care about her well-being. Um, yeah, it was so, just, uh, but as you were saying. Yeah, so, yeah, so Eric and Anthony are the ones that were the... Uh, the issue with kind of like uh, egging, not egging around, but like uh, codependent, uh, codependent uh, code, code relationship, enabler, yeah, enabling, uh, yeah. codependent relationship, like enabling, um, no remorse. Um, they have the foot, they show the footage of them like discovering her, like, it, like he was something to be proud of. Um, so, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, like, before you go on, like, I, I really, th- like, I, I was 50 50. I was like, are is Vice gonna show like them mm. coming up on her like dead body? And luckily, and like, thank God they had like at least the tastefulness to say, all right, you you could just show them walking into the apartment. You don't gotta show like everything, cause that, they made that clear that they did have footage of you know them walking in on her corpse. What I didn't know is that she had that a strange relationship with her mother, and then they had like a reconnection at the end which uh which was good i mean the whole thing a lot of these documentaries we've been watching the last they, couple but months they never, about closure. They they never, never closure. got to they never got to face to face she was like right. the last time she saw her was like 30 years ago and they were supposed to have like a reconnect they were supposed to reconnect in charlotte but they wanted the the manager anthony he wanted it to be on camera and yeah. the mom was like, no, like, I've not seen my daughter in, like, 30 years. I don't want, like, camera. I don't want it to be for cameras. I want it to be for me and my daughter. Yeah, he was, like, a carnival sideshow. Like, he wanted to have this all, like, on show. You know, he, the mother uh, allowed him to keep some of the ashes. And then what does he do with it? He puts it on, on stage for people to take photos with, a oh, photo op. That was, that was terrible. terrible. A gaudy, Awful. tacky. Which is sad. It's, like, just shows you that China... Um, like she had so, so much, so much great things about her, and uh, she kind of, she kind of, um, despite the people she was around, she kind of like, uh, she shined despite all this negativity that was around her. Yeah. Um, I like, think it was like clear that, or one of the things they made clear was like she was such a trusting and like loyal person that she, once she latched onto you like she she latched on to you like she you were like because remember they had um 
I forgot who it was. Somebody that she left like a voicemail for, and because that person was like sick, and she was she was like she called him and left a voicemail. I was just like, "Hey, it's Joni. I heard you were sick. I'm just calling to make sure you're feeling well, like you're you're doing all right." Da, 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 da. And it just it showed the type of person she was, and people part of it was that that kind of like added to her like downfall, so to speak. Yeah, and of course. um we have to mention Dr. Drew, like, um, he was, you know, he's a very well-known, like, uh, celebrity personality and stuff, but he showed, like, he does, like, he, he, he knows what he's talking about, and. Yeah, like, that voicemail where he was, like, yeah, like, you can't, you, be taking mi- that. You, can't yeah. you can't mix those, and, like, her and her, her and Anthony, the manager, was, like, well, she needs it, I'm just saying, like, could we just get it just so she could get, she could get by this week, da 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 and Dr. Drew even said, he was like, I think it was the mixing of the different prescription, the opioids as well. And then when you add in like alcohol, like it, you know. Yeah, it was just uh, a bad also, situation. Yeah. And it's like, they were teasing the idea of like, oh, like this could happen. You could over to like, they were teasing it, like not thinking it would happen, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy. It's like uh, people who are on like that, like, you know it's kind of gross to say about the celebrity like death pool thing but they did they knew that something could happen and it didn't actually did happen and i felt like they were just like oh okay like all right let's how how do we make money off this uh still which is sad i mean it's one of it really i'm glad it wasn't a dark side because like that would just put a kind of a this tone on on her career and her life mm-hmm. uh that she was more just she had her own thing because uh you know there's you can't really uh celebrate her in like wwe they're not gonna do that um yeah. she has no connection to AEW. like where where else are they gonna do like a you know where you how else do you live on in pro wrestling and like music and sports is through people telling like we're just talk, we're talking about sassel page sassel page and people like that we're talking about people that we don't know we we never seen them perform mm-hmm. but we they live on through uh the stories of them so, you know, the story of China is going to be uh, sort of mis- mistreated, like a beautiful person mistreated. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was physically strong, physically dominating, yeah. but on the inside, very vulnerable. And um, and it's like WWE, like they really did a disservice to her because she even said it in one of those like Howard Stern interviews. It was like, yeah, like they had me wrestling like guys and like beating them up. And then they try to turn me back into like a woman, you know, I'm the inter- intercontinent, the first woman intercontinental champion. And a year later, I'm wrestling women like half my size for like the women's championship. And it just didn't seem like believable anymore. And I, I don't know if you, you knew Mike, but it was rumored like SummerSlam 99. She was supposed to go to SummerSlam and beat Stone Cold for the championship. Oh really? And actually, be the first um, WWE woman, the the first woman WWE champion. But um, it's been different stories as to why that didn't happen. But let's talk about when when she, why she left, or why she. Oh yeah, yeah. The one of the most you can't. It's like when we talk about Bret Hart, we talk about Shawn Michaels. You have to talk about the other one. Um, you have to talk about Paul Levesque, aka Triple H, when you talk about China. Because like China uh, was brought into the WWF 
through uh, Triple H, through Shawn Michaels, through that DX storyline. Because yeah. um, they were trained by Kelly Kowalski. Yeah, in like the Northeast mm-hmm. uh, area. So uh, she talks about it. I mean, we're all, as fans, you know the story. Uh, but it's just interesting to remember how like business, like it started off. And then she had her own boyfriend, which I, I knew that like she had her, her own boyfriend and stuff, but nothing really else going on apparently in her life. So when she started, you know, she became China, you know, kind of like how like in the warrior, like she became this, you know, persona, uh, her relationship with Triple H became like real. Paul Levesque became real. So like he was Triple H. She wasn't Paul. Like she was China. She wasn't Joni. Like they were like a couple yeah. and they were, you know, wow, going from, going from going from going from working out in the gym or working out in her house to like less than a year later, she's at SummerSlam '97. You know, and if you recall, they um they use footage from MTV True Life, right, right, right. Um, and it showed them being like affectionate to each other. I couldn't remember that for some reason, but um, that relationship was broken, and it was uh, broken well- by the worst possible person to have it broken by so like let's just say this um you could be like all right it happened behind the cameras like her relationship with joni uh, and paul relationship ended uh okay no but they were actually promoting wf was promoting the fact that china and triple h were in real life together they were on mtv together like you said they were doing say what karaoke together they were doing the spring they were like the face of they were like the top five people in the company and they're like yeah we're together in real life the true life episode they showed them like kissing and like we live together they owned a house together mm-hmm. okay so just that's bad in itself all right so china finds out that uh her boyfriend is having an affair with the boss's daughter yeah like come on and like, i've been how, going like, on but like once she found out she found out like a year after it was actually like going on yeah so like how, how would you want her to respond first off she's a she's an unbalanced person as we as we found out you know like um she had a lot of issues. Um, so right off the, the, just for that, like I'm surprised nothing else crazy happened. She just, the story, the story is that she, she demanded a lot of more money and they couldn't, they said, no, mm-hmm. it's not like she like fought or she screamed or she said, Oh, uh, I'm not going to work for you because you, know, you homewrecker. Like, she didn't do anything like that. And she, she as a as a business decision, she goes, I deserve more money. And they said, No, you don't. So that's she, what... she's not the first woman that that happened to, if you oh, recall Sable. Wendy Richter. Oh not, yeah. no, not even Sable. Wendy, Wendy Richter. Richter. Um she she felt like she was like the female Hulk Hogan and she mm. deserved something close to, if not equal to Hulk Hogan. And that's Vince was like, No. Oh yeah. And then, and then had, China, she... and then China, she was like yeah, I'm like you know comparable to Stone Cold Steve Austin, so I should be getting Stone Cold Steve Austin money. And he's like, no. <laughs> so if you notice that, yeah. <laughs> if you know, if you notice that, uh, only only more recently when the network came out, I realized that she had her own merch. Like mm-hmm. she had that China shirt. I didn't realize, but again, Stone Cold made all Night his money. Wonder of the world. Yeah, yeah. So like, you make your money off the merch. So um, you know, she was perfect for merch. And guys, guys were wearing it. Like yeah, you see, guys. A matter of fact, even Triple H, she would wear like her merch. Like uh, I don't know. Yeah, we, uh, you keep talking about it over and over again, but it's like she was put in this situation. I think she did the best thing. She did the best that she could because, uh, all right, 
let's be adults about it. You know, she had her own storyline going on. Um, it's kind of like if if other things didn't happen, I, I bring this up the same. I brought this up last week with like, like with Bret Hart. We wouldn't be harping on Montreal screw job. We wouldn't be harping on like Owen Hart if it didn't happen. Like if that happened and then Owen Hart didn't happen. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be putting so much emphasis on the Montreal screw job that always oh, screwed up Bret Hart's rest of his career. Like if things went a little better, we wouldn't be talking about it. If China had another outlet, if she did segue because she was doing sitcoms, she was doing all, and you could say oh WWF helped her out, but really she was doing it on her own too because she was a, she was a personality. Like Stone Cold even did like TV shows and they were moderately successful. China did the same thing. She could have done it on her own. But mm-hmm. if she did get that one break, like if she was able to like successfully uh, get, you know, get out of it and like on her own, then I don't think it would have been, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be talking about like how like Triple H and, and Stephanie's relationship com- completely derailed her like life and everything. So I think that one moment we go back to because of everything that happened after, mm-hmm. which seems to be the case of like, you could say that, you could say that about every single kind of like every, everyone. What, what I liked, I'll start with what I liked. Uh, mm-hmm. We've mentioned Vince Russo. I like Vince Russo. He's annoying sometimes, but I like him. Uh, and guess what? Mick Foley. How great was Mick Foley? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The one thing I, I like, uh, you know, I, I like a lot of it. I like somebody's story being told that otherwise would have not been told. But it was a touching moment when I guess they, they met up in Garden City at like a Comic-Con and mm-hmm. they hugged. And she was like, oh, I've not seen him for like 20 years. And she was like, I don't even know if you were going to talk to me. And he's like, she, he's like of course, Joni, of course I'm going to talk to you. Like, why wouldn't I? And Mickey, you know, in his commentary, because he's, you know, he, he isn't like espoused to WWE, which is something mm-hmm. I'm going to get to in a minute. Um. So he kind of could be his own man because you've seen him on Dark Side. He's narrated some Dark Side mm-hmm. episodes. Um, and he was like, you know, like that, I, you know, when we, he, he was like, when he, her and him talked, when they met, he was, he was like, don't get hung up on the Hall of Fame. Like, it's not the end of the world if you don't get in. Like, he didn't really expand on it. But I guess like the idea is like they put in who they want to put in. But the real Hall of Fame is like the fans. If the fans appreciate you and appreciate your work, that should be enough of a Hall of Fame. You don't need to be on a big old stage and validation. Yeah, it's, and be you know, have like you, a website dedicated make, to you. Like we, make, we know China. Yeah. Like the McMahons are not like again. A lot of people are looking for validation from like you know who don't have a because like they don't have a home. Like a lot of these people like we talk about Roddy Piper. He uh, was a drifter pretty much. Um, I know this is like 20, it's a two, it's two, uh, 2000s, but people ran away from home and joined the circus. Like the, pro wrestling is like people running away. It's the same thing. Like they didn't have a home uh, and then they finally do have, find this home and then they're like kicked out. And that completely just yeah. messes you up. And then when you talk about the other talent that were on there, you know, me and you were friends. I understand that Sean Waltman and Kevin Nash you know, they're best friends with Triple H, so they kind of had to, like, tightrope. They couldn't completely shit on WWE because, you know, Triple H is, like, the, you know, if not, like, the third in line in succession because I think it's Vince, then Stephanie, 
Coma Prince. He's like a, if it was like royalty, Vince mm-hmm. is king, she's queen. Stephanie's gonna be is will be queen, but he's like a prince. Like he's mm-hmm. not gonna be he's not gonna become king. He'll yeah. he'll always be like second fiddle. Yeah. So it's like you 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 know you got to keep him happy and keeping him happy. I mean, well, you I wouldn't say keeping him happy. It's just like that's that's your friend. You're not gonna like, even though like you were probably well in in Waltman's case they were together. And he admitted, that's the one thing I, I thought that was decent, that he admitted. He was like, both of them were in bad places and they weren't good for each other. And that's why that whole shit, yeah, you know, it, they don't, they it just don't... exacerbated both of their, you know, personal struggles. Yeah, that's something that no one really takes into account. It's like, you just vilify, like, Triple H, but, like, you don't take his side of it, you know? Oh, no, I mean, like, there's, there's, we are all watching this from, like, China's point of view, like, there's other like Xbox, you know, Sean Bowman has his own situation. But then even, even let's go back to even Triple H too. Like he's another, he has his own thing going on too. Like, they, that's why I keep saying that maybe uh, their relationship uh, it would have ended, it would have been fine. But we go back to it because it's so crazy because nothing ever came from it. Like it just completely shut down her career. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it didn't. Yeah. But yeah. No, it, it was funny because he was just like. In that Stone Cold um, podcast, it's like I have an eight-year-old daughter, and she if she looks up China on Google, and I'm like, oh yeah, your eight your eight-year-old daughter that was a product of um, a relationship that was adulterous. Uh, it's like weird, like it's, uh, it's a weird, weird, weird thing to hear from him. Yeah, it is very weird. Um, it's like my point is like he's like. He probably is like on eggs. He's fighting nervous. Like they can end me. He could yeah, be the yeah, next yeah. one. That's, that's you know what that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what. I like think. he's not like you mentioned okay. Prince. Like he's 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 not blood. You know, like he's still like he has to like. Yeah, like if he like he probably and I like perhaps perhaps when they inducted Degeneration X, who knows? It might have been him that was like you know like we can't talk about degeneration X and like just ignore yeah you know what I'm saying like she has to be in there and even that might have been a colossal you know task. concession concession from Stephanie like you're gonna you want me to celebrate this woman that you know I mean think about that like it's his wife <laughs> you these conversations yeah. they have where he's like I gotta say something you know you know that's what I mean like it's like weird because what's he gonna say like oh, was he gonna have a speech and like cry and stuff like Stephanie you know she's Vince McMahon but just a female Vince McMahon. You kidding me? Vince McMahon is ruthless. Stephanie has that same energy. She mm-hmm. may look nice, but she's a corporate to the bone. She wants that gone. She wants that like not like you know a, a part of history. You know, because it makes her look bad because she mm-hmm. was cheating. Sure. She was they cheating. Would probably like pixelate China out of like old <laughs> old um wrestling Let, on a website to, on a. Network. The last thing I'll say about with McMahon's and all that is they made it worse by prolonging it so long. Which they made one? they made they, they made it they made it more of a big deal by waiting so long. Oh, with the the Hall of Fame thing, yeah, because yeah. you 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 know you know it's gonna be a year they need some kind of like headliner because I think that's the same thing with Macho Man. Like the year he went in, um, what was that? That was WrestleMania twenty nine, right? When it was here. Mm. No, it, uh, might, it was the one in Orlando. 26. Because it was like the Florida 28. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Rock and yeah, it was 28. 
yeah, yeah. So, so it's yeah. So, so it's gonna be a year. They need like a headliner, and they need like a somebody. And it's, it, you know, they always gotta um put in somebody who's no longer with us who couldn't get their flowers, and you know, pat themselves on the back like, yeah, we 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 did it. So we deserve credit for celebrating this person that we wouldn't acknowledge until years after they pass away. But you know, when it's convenient to them. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah, so, you know, the daily routine is what? Checking out the Twitter and see what's trending. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Batman was trending and, you know, it turned out, you know, it was like there's an anniversary coming up because I was watching something about Batman Forever. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that was 26 years ago. That's crazy. And I saw like Val Kilmer trending. And I know like Ben Affleck's been in the news. And uh, there's like news about this new Spider-Man movie. Michael Keaton's cameoing in it. So, I'm like, all right, um, let's go to see all this. Oh, and then gosh. I flip it. Yeah, the Flash, and he's he's a Morbius too. He's going to be Vulture, mm-hmm. and then I see these uh, little Conolingus, Conolingus is trending too, mm-hmm. and uh, nothing wrong with that. Ian Cott. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. There we go. And then uh, I have a dusty old box of Batman. This is the deep dive, and I see I see this on someone uh, on someone's tweet, and it's this legitimate literal box. It's a uh, Batman toy and uh the joke is that batman's deep diving on catwoman mm-hmm. so does he or doesn't he uh, apparently dc uh, apparently dc says he doesn't and i feel like it's cult- cultural appropriation because he stole our shit from beanie man beanie man yeah because all of them like all like bro like growing up like listening to reggae and dancehall music like ah. it's like a thing in jamaica where it's like you can't like performing oral sex on a woman is like a no-no it's it's bad um, yeah it's like sopranos talked about it yeah and i saw the thing like well i was probably like the first thing i popped in to your mind with the sopranos yeah. and and junior but you know the beanie man thing was like the first thing that popped into my mind and then the sopranos thing but the overarching idea and it's kind of like archaic is a thing that essentially is the same same thing with like um like jail like when you go go to jail you know well i I don't want to get too crazy with it but you know when they say like (laughs) in jail like the person who's giving technically ain't gay, even though like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, something has to arouse you to make things happen. But the person receiving, whether they like it or not, they're the gay ones because they're receiving. So it's a it's a domination type of thing. If you're giving, um, you're being di- dominant. You're you're being submissive to the dominant person who is receiving even if it's a woman so that was probably like the big no-no on the the women thing and i think that was the, on the the, the conolingus thing and mike with the sopranos it was kind of like that same idea with with junior where you know it, it got around that like you know junior the old ass man he was performing oral on his guma mm-hmm. And he he got fed up because it um I think him and Tony were in like a power struggle, so Tony kind of used that to to um hold over his head and, and just it made to him show look weak. 
yeah, and just to show how great of a show that was, a series, when he finally uh, he breaks up with his gumbada and he fights her, he he slams a pie in her face. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, showed up doing a job. And, and Figured, uh, how symbolic. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna paraphrase uh, a classic film called "Do the Right Thing." Hear me out. Uh, it's the first cinematic uh, reference to Black Panther. And Black Panther, uh, in the movie, uh, they're talking about pizza, pie. Mm-hmm. And um, they're saying not to go there anymore. Like, like, boycott Sal's, you know? And then the guy goes, Black Panther eat pizza? We eat pizza. You remember that scene? Mm-hmm. All right. So it's like Batman eat pussy. I eat pussy. Yeah. That's how it ends. So, yeah, I mean, that's, a, you know. But then it has to do with the reason why it came up. It wasn't just someone's like silly little tweet. It had to do with like a business decision in, uh, you know, the animated series. Yeah. So it's like a mature animated. I might check it out while I'm on vacation. The it's on HBO Max. It's uh, Harley Quinn show because, you know, with Suicide Squad, Margot Robbie, like, you know, Harley Quinn is like huge. She's like huge now. So they made like, and you know, the, the Suicide Squad movie was like rated R, if I'm not R-R. mistaken. Yeah. And a new one's going to be rated R too. So, um, and actually they had some cartoons, um, animated movies that were on the killing mature, joke, mature side. Yeah. So, you know, Batman, the, the DC animated universe kind of has like a, um, a little bit more mature content now so that show you know it involves harley quinn you know i think she has like a relationship with poison ivy with it together mm-hmm. and um they were supposed to have a scene where batman was supposed to be performing oral sex on catwoman and i guess the editor of dc comics or the, the person in charge of dc comics was like this is a quote he said and I quote, heroes don't do that. So to quote yeah. <laughs> another Batman material, then that must mean I'm the hero that lived long enough to see myself becoming <laughs> a villain because <laughs> you it's know. like uh hero, not, not all heroes wear capes. Um Batman, so Val Kilmer was like, you know, he came in, he he got into it, and he tweeted about it. He's like, does he or doesn't he? So that means he's like, I can imagine Val Kilmer just like, no, but he included the part with um Chase Meridian, you know, yeah, uh, Nicole... where she's like, I'll bring the wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's funny because Drew Schumacher's whole other can of worms, uh, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zack Snyder actually tweeted about it too, and he tweeted like a freaking straight up just picture of Batman doing the do- yeah. doing his thing. And uh, I just like I got lost last night just looking at all like the comments and stuff and it's just like which is wild i mean um it was funny i mean yeah i guess like the thing is like if it's a mature show then you know why not i get that like you go to walmart you go to well you used to go to a toy store you would buy the toys and stuff but like indiana jones had toys did he not and he was all about james bond you know like james bond is all about that octopusy you know pussy galore i mean i mean it's like double entendres and stuff uh but um if you read the comics like i i don't know if i've been reading the comics like uh, during my life mm-hmm. and like there's only so much things you could talk about so like people like kevin smith they had a whole comic where like they show like how he uses the bathroom like things like that like things that you think about if you've been reading comics for the like, 20 years and like you get bored of just like 
I'm going to fight you back, you know, like, so then you talk about real life things. You talk about, you relate to someone in their real life, like how they uh, see themselves like the orientations and um, sexuality that becomes kind of important for people that are super fans. And uh, they think about more than just let's catch the bad guy. And now it's like relationship Batman has with Catwoman. Hey, what happens behind closed doors? And, you know, like, uh, which brings me to something that we've talked about here before. Um, yeah, because this was Falcon like the next, and the Winter. Yeah, this was, yeah, this was the next day. This was trending. You see, Anthony Mackie trending. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, basically, it was an article with uh, Variety, uh, Variety magazine, Variety. Yeah, Variety. I have it. So he said, so many things are twisted and convoluted. There's so many things that people lash onto with their own devices to make themselves relevant and rational. It used to be guys can be friends. We can hang out and it was cool. You can't do that anymore because something as pure and beautiful as homosexuality has been exploited by people who are trying to rationalize themselves. Um, I want to remember that part because I'm actually going to expand on that. There's nothing more masculine than being a superhero and flying around and beating people up, but there's nothing more sensitive than having emotional conversations conversations and a kindred spirit friendship with someone that you care about and love sam and steve had a relationship where they admired each other they admired appreciated and loved each other bucky and sam have a relationship where they learn how to accept and appreciate and love each other you'd call it a bromance but it's literally just two guys having each other's backs something that's always been important very important to me is showing a sensitive masculine figure. All right. So what does that mean to you? Well, I'm because people felt that like it was like homophobic, but in in where where he was saying the one part I, I said I, I wanted to expand upon, where he says it used to be guys can be friends, can hang out, and it was cool. You can't do that anymore because something as pure and beautiful as homosexuality has been exploited by people who are trying to rationalize themselves and people harped on that and saying uh oh well he's saying uh people in the lgb or the queer community can't you know have fantasies or whatever about characters or try to make them relatable to make them relatable um to them in imagining them as gay but what he's, I think what he was talking about, and the more and more I read the comments in people supporting it, the actual queer people, actual, you know, LGBT people, is that, and it's something that we talked about when we were talking about gay shipping way back when, is that a lot of the times these are straight people or straight adjacent people who believe they're being allies by creating these fictional um or create or putting these romantic undertones on what seems to be platonic relationships and i understand where he's coming from because it seems to me that virtually every like most i'm not i want to say every piece of art these days or media where there are two friends or two allies and they're like buddies 
it seems to me like people are always putting some kind of like romantic romantic undertone to them, as we've seen with um Bucky and Steve Rogers in um Winter Soldier and Civil War and throughout the MCU. And also in Star Wars with Finn and Poe. And they're kind of like doing it backwards too because with Star Wars, they're also saying like Han and Luke. And people keep bringing up like this um, quote by Mark Hamill where he's like, if people want to feel they're gay, let them feel that they're gay. Um, They're trying to use that as context to say like, well, he's saying like Han, like Luke could be gay if he's gay. But what he was essentially saying is, if you as a fan feel that it makes you relate to the character more by reimagining them, reimagining them as LGBT, then go right ahead. But I think what Anthony Mackie is trying to say is the character that he's playing and the role that he's in is meant to be a heterosexual man who's friends with another heterosexual man and shouldn't be taken any other way and it shouldn't be carried over any other way so like if uh if i don't think that this is the whole thing that the trap that i'm gonna i'm gonna be that i'm gonna have that uh i'm gonna say that where if i say no it can't be and then i look like i'm a bigot or whatever because like mm-hmm. i'm saying no it's like that's the pitfall but then someone can always say like well this is how i see it like i can i can watch seinfeld or i can watch you know i can watch a show uh, where it's straight people, whatever, whatever, and I, I, I've accepted that, you know. But let me just have this. Uh, so okay, great. But I'm just saying, like, if, if you can't say that it's not though, like, there's like, oh, you can't. That's that's the pitfall of it, of, of of being being the uh, remember the word normal or like the default, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. So like, yeah, they call it other, per- you know, when you. Like you kind of ostracize gay people as not normal, or LGBT Mm. people as not normal. You're othering them. The other, yeah. But my my thing is, and I'm glad you said that. Where it's like, if you say it's not, like you're in the wrong. But I I I liken it to this, and I was like my first reaction to it. I think I sent you my tweet when I said it, where I was just like, okay, so if there were a female and male character. And the female is clearly lesbian, and the male character is straight. And I, I'm telling you, I'm like, oh well, you know, their friendship, like they should be romantic. Like it's a man, it's a woman, they should be together. Blah 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 blah. But it's explicitly clear that this woman is attracted to to women and women only. If I made like a whole fan fiction about this straight guy and this um female lesbian, like chasing Amy, I just realized I just mm-hmm. did the whole plot of chasing Amy. <laughs> but if you did that, somebody would say, like, oh, this is wrong, like that's messed up. Like she's clearly gay. Why are you making her straight? Like, I've always thought, like the um Kate McKinnon, I'm like very attracted to her, but I know she is gay. But I won't say like, oh, like she's just going through a phase. She hasn't met me yet, you know. What some guys say, like, but yeah, some gay people that say the same shit. There's like, oh, but, he's only straight because he hasn't tried it yet. 
but that's the whole thing. You can say that, or they could say that. Oh, but then if I say, "Oh, I wish she was straight." No, I am not your fetish. Like mm-hmm. you know, like. But if they go, "Oh, I wish she was gay," so like you know, like it's kind of like it's you're feeling it as a as a as a white man, whatever. This is the this is the thing in pop culture where I can't say something because then it's always like. So it's like that with sexuality and orientation. It's the same thing where like. Uh, people have the freedom like oh i wish this let me let me let me feel this let, let me imagine this because i haven't i don't have so many outlets where i can see it mm-hmm. but i think it's important to actually have uh like male relationships like like a, a bond it's it's Cause there's nothing there's nothing perverted about two straight men having a good relationship Mike, having you know what do people usually say about men when we don't um we're not in touch with our feelings we don't um where we could be unloving we could be stoic and yeah yeah, defensive and stuff like that so i don't understand why like two heterosexual characters can't be um vulnerable emotionally vulnerable around each other and it not being and and it being taken to a whole nother context yeah it's kind of like I that's the word I yeah I, 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 I was about to say I don't I don't, that's, know, I don't know. that's the that's the word that I yeah. before we started recording I said I, I I'm gonna say but it doesn't have to be in a negative tone I mean um, but if you actually go by the definition of it's like, to perverting. change what it means yeah, pervert means to change what it's supposed to be or whatever or it's intended to be you change it I, I can mm-hmm. like pervert like like a hat or or so I, I I perverted this toy box because I made it look into a dirty thing anyway um now I ruined myself off. Um, I threw my, I got distracted, but it, it's important to. Uh, oh yeah, this is what I think. Like a generation of us growing up, me being like in my mind, like forward thinking and everything. I feel like, what was a joke when you're a kid? Like, oh, men aren't sensitive. So like, people were like, men need to be more sensitive. Me, men need to be more in touch with their feelings. And then when we get to a point where it's normal, you normalize another buzzword that I don't like to use normalized men being sensitive mm-hmm. then they a couple like 10 years ago they flipped it where they were like man up and i hated that term man up because then you flipped it again we're like oh you need to be more uh the, you need to be more stoic you need to be whatever and then now it's going back to where it's like if the normal thing is you're we're you're well adjusted if you are sensitive if you are in touch with your emotions mm-hmm. but now it's like they're it's changing again where it's like if you are like that it's it's you know it's like that's not the normal or that's not like not like I keep saying normal but like um you you get what I'm saying yeah, yeah you bit. all right Mike you remember the movie Superbad right yes now one of like the greatest scenes or the greatest things about that movie was it showed like male friendship and it just showed like the emotional attachment like one guy that got have to another guy because the whole movie the, was about the, them um the final, yeah the final scene yeah it was like the, the yeah, and I'm, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm even before that i'm gonna, I'm gonna okay. talk about that part and why it's important to me in 2007 whereas like if it was made in 2021 people would say other things but it was a movie about the emotional attachment that two friends have to each other where they were, you know, seniors in high school and it was like their last summer together. And this was like the first night that they 
you know, were partying together and both of them felt like they were going to have sex that night. And that's why a lot of people look back on our movie um, unfavorably. It's, it's, they touch it. The thing is separation anxiety. They're nervous that they're going to be not together anymore. So that's kind of like a thing they deal with. Mm -hmm. And then they go, and it goes through all the different like um, shenanigans and stuff throughout the movie. And at the end of the night, they end up at one of their houses and they get sleeping bags and they mm-hmm. go in the basement and they like declare their love for each other, but it's platonic love. It's like, Seth, I love you. Evan, I love you. I love my best friend, Evan. And it, it just, it like, that was the first time I seen that shit because like me and my friends, we always used to tell each other, like, you know, when we separate, it's like, I love you, man. Like, uh, you know, like, and it, it all stemmed from our movie that we became, like, I became comfortable in telling another guy, like, I love you. And it not being like, oh, that's so gay. Like, you guys are gay. and da, da, da. But, you know, like you say, where it's like, oh, like, you can't say this. But as I stated before, there's a there's an analogy for it. Like, Anthony Mackie explicitly saying, like, my character is not gay. And he doesn't have romantic feelings towards... Bucky it's in the same way like somebody would be like you know a, a, a actor that's playing a gay part or they might be gay themselves and they're saying my character is homosexual like my character is a man who likes men you will never see him with a woman so stop thinking about it like Will and Grace yeah. do people do the same shit with Will and Grace like oh like Will's Will, Will, and, Will and Grace are going to, like, hook up. I, I mean, I don't know the story. Maybe they hooked, like, they hooked up no, when hey, he was hey. straight or something. I don't know. I don't know the story of that you, show. You, well, you just opened a bag of worms. You just opened a can of worms. Uh, they were they went out in college. Obviously, she knew. And he realized he was gay. And... Yeah, she, that's why they love each other, because he found, he was able, he came out to her, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing, like, when we, we talked about it on the Friends one, when I was talking about, like, Ross being respectful of Carol. And I was just like, all right, my wife, my ex-wife and the mother of my son is gay. And she's I'm not going to try to win her back because I know she's gay. And that's that. End of story. Like, but the point I'm trying to make is, like, there is an analogy. So it's like, why can't he just specify, like, my character is not gay? In the same way, a, a gay character or an actor could say, "Like my character is gay." Well, like, because people need to accept that. It's important, and it's also important because uh, uh, Anthony Mackie is portraying a strong, like, like a like a uh, a black man, mm-hmm. and like a whole other thing is him like taking the mantle of Captain America. Which, if you change that, then it'd be like you're completely changing the point of the character. You and know, you know, it's like. W- you know what's funny though? Like not to cut you off that you say that. I think a lot of these shows, they think that diversity is I'm gonna have a black guy who is gay and acts like a black woman. And it's like, and I, I said this before, I'm like, they try to play, you know, check all the bosses with one person and then call out diversity. It's like, yeah, it's like- you can't say we don't have a gay guy. He's gay. You can't say we don't have a black guy. He's black. You can't say we don't have a black woman. Well, he's the closest thing you get to a black woman on our show. So we've checked all the boxes. It's, you know, another uh, another thing that may you you brought up Bowling Grace or it came up uh, 
Will and Grace came up. That was progressive. Uh, I mean, that was like ahead of its time. Uh, and that was, now that you think of it, 20, almost 25 years ago. It was like 97, 98. That's a long time. Um, I have to, I, I'm, I'm allowing myself to be uh, open more where there's a whole generation of people younger than like 15 years like a generation. They're adults now. And mm-hmm. I deal with this all the time with uh, my coworkers and stuff and people I, I see out in the public a lot and I, I have relationships with. They are, it's like me talking to someone in their 50s. It's way different point mm-hmm. of views. Of, and we're at that point now. We have to come to grips, man. Yeah. <laughs> we both celebrate our birthdays. So it is, it's, an, it's, we, this is why I brought up how like growing up, the whole thing was uh, men need to be more sensitive. Like that was kind of like a thing they were pushing from like the seventies and eighties. And when we were growing up in the nineties, it was becoming like an, uh, a, like a, an accepted thing. Yeah. Now it's like the accepted thing that I, again, I keep, I always say I went to a free, I went to uh, my school was everything that they're saying now was like, uh, 2008 was like the, like everything they were teaching in like all these great classes I took about like race and representation and race and media. Mm-hmm. It's things that no one else was talking about. But now in the last couple of years, it's like people are so like, that's why I, I understand some people are so like, what the hell? This is new to me because uh, it's things that were introduced into the, you know, academia in, in the last like 15, 20 years. And now it's actually being uh, not just uh, abstract. It's being put into uh actual practice it's a, yeah it's practice now it's not in it's not just people's ideas of how things should be it's mm-hmm. being practiced by people who are now entering adulthood and they see the world differently and yeah. so we would just have to deal with how people see the, the world differently because well and grace to them is 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 not progressive they send they, they see that stuff as like cartoony and it's like the I, I, and I'm, I'm, every time we talk about this stuff i feel like we have to kind of explain ourselves so that we don't seem bigoted and um, homophobic and stuff like that. It's just, we, I'm just trying to explain where we're coming from. And it's why, you know, what's, what's the thing? Representation matters and representation matters in the fact that um, there shouldn't be black men represented in media and then it's like okay they're gonna have this show with five principal characters and the one have one black guy on it right and our black guy is gay so anybody that's a fan of that show who's never had a black friend before never been around black people before that's the first thing that they associated with much in the same way way back when you'd only see black people like back in the forties and fifties, you see black people playing what uh, uh, service people helper, helper. and help. Yeah. The help. help. And um, case in point, that's why that movie was regrettable for all the people yeah. involved. Because... Uh, see, not heard roles, mm-hmm. props. Right. And then in the seventies up until the nineties, when you saw black people, what was it? guys were like thugs black exploitation too or like yeah very over the top yeah i was gonna say like but but essentially like the 70s through the 90s it was like blacks were portrayed as criminals 
So mm-hmm. if you've never seen a black person before, that's your first thing. So that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Representation matters. Like there should be, there's room enough for there to be a prominent black character such as Captain America and him not being a gay guy. And people are saying like, oh, there's not a lot of representation in the MCU for LGBT characters. Like they just made Loki gender fluid. And that's something they didn't even have to retcon because it wasn't like something that was explicitly like- How they do um, that? Huh? How they do that in the show, he's like- it, They had like a um like a form or something uh, when he, he thing and it said gender and it said fluid. So, but it's something that they- paperwork? Okay. Well, you gotta watch the show. I will watch it. I will watch it. But it's um, it was it wasn't something that they had to retcon. It was just like you never seen Loki. Like for one, if they made Loki gay, I wouldn't even have an issue with it because I've never seen Loki with a woman before. Like in all of those Thor movies, you never seen him like have a female love interest or a male love interest. So you could start off there, and then Brian Tyree Henry. Um, who's in the Eternals that's coming out at the end of this year was supposed to come out uh, mm, last year yeah. because of the pandemic. He's playing like a gay guy, like a gay character in that movie that has a husband. Yeah. So it's, yeah, Eternals, it, yeah. They're, it's they're, coming. Um, it's not like it's just like they're not doing it. So I don't understand why you're taking a character that's kind of like already established as being straight and being like, all right, well, he's gay because him and um, Bucky like travel together and fight crime together uh, you know it goes back to the i mean i don't know maybe it goes back to remember back in the 50s that's why they have the comic book code because batman and robin yeah yeah people try to say like batman and robin was kind of like a his ward couple, yeah i mean but... well they, all right to wrap it up go back to batman forever um yeah that stuff that whole movie is a double entendre a lot of it uh joel schumacher proud open openly gay man said like yeah i did it as like a (laughs) r.i.p a year ago this month um openly we were saying like if you watch that movie over again now which i did it's a man coming out of the closet say i am batman it's like you know i remember robert downey goes i am iron man at the end of iron man at the end of batman forever he goes i am batman it's like Mm -hmm. him he goes into a cave you know his fear is this bat you know like um which i like i like it used to be it used to be hard and you know, few and far between to find deeper meaning in something uh, like a comic book now it's like if it isn't if it isn't layered mm-hmm. it's weird it's like it's interesting whereas if it, the, the the newest thing for it to be like ahead of uh pushing the envelope or edgy or uh you know it would have to be a straight up where there's no meaning to it it's just a straight up old school comic thing where it's like there's no double meanings because everything has a double meaning like batman and robin okay like i just said with batman forever has you, you could say it's kind of a man um like there's a scene where they're in the carnival we'll do a batman forever retrospect maybe in retrospect yeah. but he's like they go to the carnival and first off robin is like a 25 year old man in it i don't know how he needs he needs to be he needs to have a Charles marlon Will, william marlon wayne's the original if, robin which, the also, toy- shout out Chris O'Donnell. I like Chris O'Donnell. So, yeah. so in the Batman Returns toys, there's Robin toys, and he has a flat top. Because mm-hmm. it was supposed to be Marlon Wayans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, maybe one day we'll talk about Batman Forever, because that had like double meanings. But that it took someone... Like, like you love BuzzFeed, you know? 
that's your thing right yeah. so like there was articles that came we'll up in relationship the, yeah yeah that's the thing so like articles came up and I'm like hey let's uh, let's look back at this and hey there was different i can i can read into this you know now it's like they from the beginning they're doing that mm-hmm. this is just kind of an idea but yeah um no but, but rap- the, the thing about it is right mate you as a white guy right explicit yeah there's so many white straight leading characters you've seen before but at the same time there's so many white gay leading characters you've seen yeah it's like a funnel exactly so it's like you've been like for all white guys represent like if 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 you were gay like there's representation for you like if i was gay it's just like all right like all you know like i want captain america to be you know the new captain america sam wilson to be gay because there's not many black men, um, gay black men being represented. So the point is, like I said, it's representation. It's about representation. Representation matters. I think when you have more and more, um, and, and it always comes back to this, you know, when we talk about anything, bachelor, friends, whatever, like it always comes back to like, you know, this this point, representation matters. You need to see more people that look like you. Like, I shouldn't have to watch a show and be like, oh, man, like, you know, they have this black character and I'm like, oh, yes, like, I see a black man on screen and then, like, that person becoming gay and it's just like, I can't relate to it because I'm not gay. And at the same time, as a gay, like, a gay person, they see it, a, a black street character is like, oh, man, like, damn, they only have one black guy in the show and he has to be, be straight. So I understand both sides. But in this particular, you know, uh, quote or his whole thing, first of all, like, he acknowledges, it ain't like he was like, ew, he's gay, that's nasty. He was like, you know, homosexuality, homosexuality is just as natural as, like, heterosexuality. But in this particular instance, I feel like people gay shipping my character, it's disingenuous because half the time it's not even gay people doing it it's straight people feeling like they're being allies and what's the whole root of like homophobia it's like this idea that once you start accepting gay people everything's going to be turning gay and i don't think that i don't think that does um i I think that does gay people a disservice um but i think what i would want to see is just like more flute like more organically fleshed out characters of different things. Like in a comic book, by the comic book standard, Natalie Portman's about to be Thor. That, like she, she's meant to be Sam Wilson's as top Captain America's girlfriend at some point, if you're going strictly by how the comic book goes. If you're going by how the comic book goes, Miss uh, Captain Marvel, her like Brie Lawson and Don Cheadle's um, roadie are supposed to be together. So there's already been a storyline flushed out for these people. Like, I, I believe in the comics, like, Loki is, like, um, non-binary. So, it, it, so that goes by. That, that goes by, yeah. So, like I said, it's not this whole segment or this whole section of the segment is not meant to be bigoted. Uh, it's just interesting how people we we 
we as 30 year olds like because i couldn't even imagine being 10 and being worried about like the sexuality of like my favorite comic comic book characters but here we are what else do we have to talk about episode 57 we covered a, a lot we didn't even have it planned but we ended up covering like a whole lot so mike what's your, your final thoughts on everything we yeah we kind of we kind of winged it um but i did find it my common theme among the topics it's a uh, representation and we always talk about it we always we've been talking about it since the beginning but um for china uh china in, in her universe in pro wrestling um you're you're not remembered unless wwe you know i just had ice cream sandwiches uh it was Shawn michael i mean macho man's on the cover people that grew up without uh knowing who macho man is now they, they know growing up by wwe saying this is the macho man china doesn't have that same uh chance of this is china you know so we have these other documentaries uh talking about uh china's legacy um which is okay but it would be uh, good if WWE would, as the standard standard bearer of what pro wrestling is, should honor China. MLB is a standard bearer of baseball. Um, they are showing the legacy. They're 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 uh, the, the legacies of the Negro League players and the players who who had late uh, late career in in MLB. Um, they can live on now through the actual stats right up there. You don't have to call, um, Josh, you don't have to call him the black Babe Ruth. He's just Josh Gibson. Now you don't have to like compare him to Babe Ruth. Like he's in his own right. He is his own folk hero. Like he's his own man. Now, um, China, China is China. Captain America, uh, with Anthony Mackie, very important character uh it's a shame that controversy has to arise and kind of negate a lot of the uh really cool things that they're doing in marvel now where they have like captain america a topic uh that's important is like hey is, can captain america be like a black man in the face you know the face of america um and now we're talking about him you know you're you this whole other controversy and this whole like backlash and back and forth and uh, conversation between uh, people is happening. And you're forgetting the fact that how cool is it that we have just alone Falcons, like one of the number one show now for Marvel. I did not expect that 10 years ago. Like this is really cool things going on. Um, Half, half glass, glass full guy. I'm glad that we have this conversation. I'm glad people are bickering. It's not just well, you know, the the fight is good in itself because you have underrepresented people fighting over like something. You know, it's like I did not expect that. There's so many different um, new new awesome characters that have an identity. Uh, people were starving for uh, characters that you know I could see myself up on this on TV. I could see myself in the movie. I could play with a toy. You know, I could play with an action figure as a kid. Like now you have all these groups and people who identify as a certain way, they see themselves. Uh, but now you're at a point where uh, like you have a black man and you have people of uh, or like an orientation or a, you know, a lifestyle. I don't know if that's still an archaic term, but it's like you're at that point now where it's like there's so many different 
characters. I mean, at one point, at some point, what is going to there's going to be three hundred characters, and there's going to be one person for each. But then you know, there's so many different people out there. You're always going to have this problem, and uh, I couldn't think of the word, but it's like a happy problem to have where there is still so much good out there that. Um, we're focusing heavily on this one moment, but it, I don't want it to take away from the fact that we have a show. We have a, a the Falcon and, and Winter Soldier that led in, that's leading into a new Captain America, and uh, you're you're having a you know Black Captain America is a really awesome thing to have. Black man, you know, so representation matters, yeah. and um, that sums it up for me for our topics today. Yeah, mine's I'm gonna just carry on with like what Mike was saying because I, I brought it up to him where it's just like. Like he said, it's a nice problem to have because if you look at how far, you know, both communities have come, the African-American community and the LGBTQ community um, have gotten, you know, like 1951, if black people were in a movie or a gay person was in a movie, they would be in there just to be made fun of or to in a character that's like less than um, the straight white characters. So to be in 2021 and being like in discussion about, you know, Captain America and, you know, being African-American and having, um, the LGBT community being represented in all of these massive franchises, whether it be the Marvel, whether it be Star Wars, whether it be um, Harry Potter, mm. it's an interesting is a it's an interesting dynamic, and it just shows how far we've come. But as I said, we were, like in our whole segment, we weren't trying to come from like a bigoted, like ignorant standpoint. It's just we just wanted to, as straight guys, um, relate to what Anthony Mackie said and taking it a step further as a straight black guy. I know it's like this idea that there's like a huge homophobic um, belief system in like the black community amongst like African-American men. And, you know, like, like I've always said on the show, I've, I've never really been around like as a black guy and being around like gay black guys, I've never been in a situation where like, you know, those guys were like treated like, terribly or like um antagonized or anything it's just like yeah that's like my cousin or that's like my friend so and so it's um but you know my my experience might be different from other people but i'm just saying like it's not rampant or as 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 it gets to me like i find myself like i'm like all for you know the lgbt like living out and about and being able to um live life without being, you know, terrorized and ostracized and othered. So I'm all for that. And, you know, Batman, that was just like a weird thing. Like he, that should be like the name, that's going to be the name of the episode. Heroes don't do that. <laughs> um, Cause like I said, if, if heroes don't do that, it seems 
Michael that I've lived long enough to see myself mm-hmm. becoming the villain. Um, China, man, like, I'm so, like, she's one of those people who's, like, you, you, you felt, like, sorry for her. Um, and I feel even more sorry for her now because, you know, really and truly, like, WWE rarely ever... And it's, it's 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 only by like association that they'd mention her. Like we talked about in the thing where they inducted D Generation X. It's, it's going to be so hard to try to induct Shawn Michaels and Triple H and just ignore um, their enforcer for the first because she was in both incar both of the incar- in- incarnations of the generation X. So it was hard to ignore. So I don't know if like, you know, Triple H had to, you know, pull some strings or maybe it was Sean or um, Waltman or Shawn Michaels that were like, yeah, you, you have to. Um, I think, uh, yeah, Road Dogg was, was cool with her too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we yeah. just, actually, we didn't even mention it. Like Billy Gunn, um, yeah, Kip, yeah. Kip Sop. Yeah, they were friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't so much so friends with Triple H. Mm-hmm. They're friends with like Sean and them. Yeah, a weird dynamic. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah, so no, but you know, like it was it was nice to hear her story being told because I didn't know anything about her family life. I didn't know um much about you know why she got you know. It, of course, like the the idea is like, oh, you're going to porn because you're trying to keep your name out there, and it's like she like she what else was she supposed to do? Um, they were talking about like she was in like B movies and and these movies like nobody watched, so it's like you might as well be in porn movies. Like somebody's gonna watch those. Um, but yeah, it's those type of movies where like, uh, am I in a porno? Am I not? Like the sets are like, yeah, is this straight to video or is this? Yeah, yeah. and like you know, they try to make her, like, real manly, and, like, you know, when I started watching, she, she had had, like, work done, and she, she was, actually, in retrospect, I didn't even think about it, because in comparison to, like, the, you know, Sables, and Trish Stratus, and Lita, and Terry Runnels, et cetera, et cetera, go on and on, like, she still seemed, like, manly, but looking back on, like, when I was watching this, I was like, she was not bad looking at all. Like, I remember when she was with Eddie Guerrero, and I was like, why would Eddie Guerrero want to be with China? And I'm, like, looking, you know, we talked about it a while back. I'm, like, looking back at these videos, and I'm like, she was, like, a beautiful woman. And it was just so sad to see, like, that's, you know, where her life ended, unfortunately. Um, Negro Leagues um again it, it like like mike said i'm glad that these guys stats you know what stats they could salvage in you know news clippings and um uh whether they found like eyewitness reports of people who were were there um these stats being revealed but then you find out like oh they only played like 60 games um, it'd be like, remember last year, it was like 60 games long. It's like, that was every season, um, according to these, um, reports, but it's so many barnstorming, you know, all those games that they played against white players. Remember Babe Ruth used to play against mm-hmm. the, the Negro leagues and barnstorming. And he actually got suspended 
remember that he got suspended for like the first month of the season one year because he he was barnstorming. Mm-hmm. Um, those stats aren't like um available, but it just shows you like the the tragedy that was uh segregation in baseball in general. It just shows like even today we we talked about Juneteenth a little bit in the beginning. It just shows you the tragedy that racism and the black cloud that it just holds over this nation uh, it's just just sad baseball film who knows how many great performances we missed out in the 30s mm-hmm. like you know stage performances mm-hmm. and a lot of film was, was lost in like fires and stuff like that um but uh, like i said it's, it's the the cloud of racism and it's just a lot of people you know we talk about the 1619 project it's a lot of people that want to keep you know um, want to keep this cloud over our head and just like ignore it like it's not there. Uh, it's, it's just sad because I don't think unless you acknowledge that the cloud's there, it's never going to disappear, really. Um, uh, we we got to see what's going to happen with the NBA offseason. Like today, they just had like the first big trade. Um, Kemba Walker and the yeah. Celtics first round pick to Oklahoma City for Al Horford. Um, was a Celtic so who knows what's gonna happen I think the draft lottery is next week so we'll probably talk about that next week is gonna be a little bit different because I'm actually gonna be doing the show like remotely so I think me and Mike are gonna do a segment here a segment there um I'm working on videos so that I got we got videos being released all week while I'm away um, but I'm still going to be doing a show. We'll figure it out. Uh, but this has been officially titled now. Mm-hmm. Heroes Don't Do That. Episode 57 of Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. <laughs>